0: Another warm welcome. My name is Tyro. I'm one of the elders in the church as well. Uh, it's a great uh, delight to welcome you all to church this morning, and we're about to start a new series uh, titled Extravagant, um, and that's going to be exploring. our oh, brilliant! And and that's the. The new series we're going to be starting from today, and I'm going to be just doing an introduction. Uh, but we're really trusting God that it's going to be an opportunity for God to open our eyes afresh, to, to get a fresh perspective of all that God has for us. And that's an amazing graphics done by, by the team. Uh, and I would like us to really appreciate and thank God for what God is doing through our communications team and, and the people God is bringing into that team and they're doing a great thing. We did just give them a, a, a warm this morning. Yeah. Thank you very much for that. Thank you. Amen. Yeah. So before I start, I would like to ask Tyre to bring a song. Uh just to kind of encourage you to still your heart and, and just let God bless you as you're listening to the words of this song.
1: i Come through and my heart will be a place where you want to be. Come and make our heart your home. Come and be everything we are and all we know. Search us through and through. Till our hearts become a home for you. Come and make our hearts your home. Come and be everything we are and all we know. Search us through and through. Till our hearts become a home for you, till our hearts become a home for you, a home
0: your word tells us that you no longer want to dwell in houses built by human hands but you want to dwell in our hearts Lord the Bible says you inscribe your word upon the tablets of our hearts Lord you've taken the heart of stone you've given us a heart of flesh you've given us a heart that can cry Abba Father yes Daddy. We are loving, caring, compassionate, extravagant, awesome, God. That's who you are, Lord. But we don't always see you for who you are, Lord. We don't always know you for who you are. We don't always respond to who you as who you are, Lord. But, Lord, this morning we, we cry out to you once again, Lord. Will you open the eyes of our heart, Lord. Open the eyes of of our heart, Lord, to see you for who you truly are. And help us to open the door, Lord. We are the only ones who have control of that door. You do not bust in, Lord. You do not break down the door. You knock, yes, gently, compassionately. But we are the only ones who can open the door of our heart, Lord. Holy Spirit, will you help us this morning? Let's not leave it just slightly ajar. Let it swing wide open, Lord. And give you absolute and full welcome. Come, dwell in our hearts, Lord, by your Holy Spirit. And as we go into the series, Lord, give us insight on how we can do that in a meaningful way. Way for each one of us, Lord, to the glory and praise of your holy name. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It's a privilege to focus on God's word and God's truth and to explore the awesomeness, the grandeur, and the majesty. Of the one who brings us and calls us to himself. One of the cry of our hearts as an eldership over this season is that we want more of God. We want more of God. We're not satisfied with where we are. We thank God for what is revealed to us. We thank God for what is done for us. We thank God for the experiences of God. But we want more. And this morning I was reminded that one of the names of God is El Shaddai. The God who is more than enough. He never runs out. We can't ask for too much. We can't be worried that we will bankrupt Him. No matter what we bring, no matter how we come to Him, we can be rest assured that He is the God that is more than enough. And he says, in his house, there is room for me. We come to a God who has a place for each one of us. And he welcomes us, invites us, longing, lovingly and longingly. It seeks us out. Like a lover, it seeks us out. He delights over us, he rejoices over us. The splendor of His Majesty he makes available. He invites us. He longs for us. There is a cry in his heart, like that father waiting for the prodigal son, but not just the prodigal son, looking to the older son, wanting to share the intimacy of all the pleasure and of all the blessings in his house. It's his son. All that I have is yours. All I have is yours. There is nothing of my possessions. There's nothing I have in this house that is shielded from you. It belongs to you. It's all for you. You have access to all I have. And I want to share it with you. And I want you to know freedom. Freedom. Like that songwriter says, to know freedom in my father's house. To know freedom in your father's house. To be able to walk around and access whatever is in your father's house. He wants to bring us into a place of freedom as we come and settle in our father's house. And he wants us to make room for him in our hearts. And when we look at the word extravagant, I looked at the Oxford Dictionary. And it defines it as something that is beyond any reasonable expectation. Another one talks about lacking restraint in spending money or in using resources. There's no holding back. There's just a sense of nothing is too much. Nothing holds you back. You can just... Really, go for it. Exceeding what is reasonable or appropriate to be excessive and to be deliberate. And imagine for a moment that all of that is trying to describe our Heavenly Father. is excessive, is elaborate. Beyond what sometimes is reasonable and appropriate. No holding back. Extensive resources at your disposal. That is what it offers us this morning. And as we look into this series, we're going to be looking at different aspects of it. We're going to be looking at extravagant peace, power, prayer and fasting, unity, freedom, joy, honor, passion, giving and serving, you know, in different components, just to enable us to remind ourselves or to discover afresh what this rich treasure that God has set before us. It says to know the depth, the height, the width, the length, The magnificence of all that this God offers you. If you're here this morning, and for you there is no real connection or a real relationship with this God we're talking about. What a privilege to come with us on this journey to explore what this God is all about. And what He's calling you into as He beckons you to come into a relationship with Him. God's generosity to His people stems from the overflow of His love to us and for us. That's where it stems from. That's where it comes from. It's that overflow of His love for us as His people. And He wants to bring us into that place. And as I looked at this passage, and I looked at this, and you can can approach it from different beats, And we talk about the extravagant gospel. And what is the gospel? It's just simply the good news. So, it's an excessive and elaborate and, and just an amazing good news that God brings for us. And that good news comes in different ways, in different packages, and in different dimensions. And that's why we start to unpick it in different topics, just to help us to grasp better. What is this good news? What does this thing that is so excitable in the heart of God that He wants to share with us and He's calling us to come in and enjoy it and beget get blessed by it. And where do we start but to consider the extravagant love and grace of God upon our lives by which He draws us into this relationship, by which He opens the doors and invites us in? It says, for God so loved the world that He gave His Son He gave His Son so freely and so generously. Why? So that we can come into a relationship with Him. And as we come into that relationship with Him, we can begin to explore together the beauty and the awesomeness and the glory of this wonderful, glorious, and gracious God. And that's what He's called us into. And I'm just going to show you a few passages in Scriptures just to kind of paint a picture of that extravagance of God. And when we look at Luke chapter 1, and we look at verse 26 to 38, which is the story of how the angel appeared to Mary, to announce to Mary that God was about to do something extravagant with her life. Something beyond our imagination. Something beyond our comprehension. Something beyond whatever Mary would ever have conceived that her life could ever translate into. But God was about to break into that life and bring about an extravagant explosion and bring her into a place that she never thought was possible. And when the angel made that statement and greeted her. Let's go to verse 37 and 38. You know that story really well, just because of time. If we go to verse 37 and 38. And when the angel declared those truths to Mary, and Mary was like, you know, this thing is not possible. I'm a virgin girl. How can I give birth to a child? Not just a child. How can I give birth to the Savior of the world? And he says, don't worry. The Spirit of God is going to come upon you. And it's going to enable you to be able to fulfill what he wants you to do. And that spirit is not going to come in small measure. There is going to be an abundance of the spirit flow upon you. And the extravagance of that spirit upon your life will bring you into the reality of what God wants to do with you. And what struck me is that every time God brings us into contact with his extravagance, there is always a response. From her heart, and this is the response of Mary to that encounter with the Holy Ghost, and he says and, and God says to him, that he says, For no word of God will ever fail, and Mary said, "I am the Lord's servant, may your word to me be fulfilled and then the angel left her. so as Mary came in contact with the extravagant nature of God, to see that he was pouring out his spirit, he was bringing her from a place of a young backward girl in the back of the country to suddenly become a glorious revelation of the life and the purposes of God? What was the response of Mary's heart? Let it be unto me, Lord, according to your word. Let it be unto me, Lord, according to your word. Let's look at Luke chapter 2. Verse 8 to 18, and we see another story there. And that talks about the story of when Mary had that baby boy. And as I looked at that story, it struck me again what God was doing here. When God wanted to announce the birth of baby Jesus, it could just have come to somebody and said, Yes, Jesus has been born, and that's fine, I know. No, but he didn't do it that way. It was an extravagance galore. It was like, it was throwing out a real, you know, we're going to be coming very close to fireworks, and you'll see all this wondrous display. But what struck me as I looked at that passage, it wasn't one angel. When he came to the shepherds, the Bible says there was a plethora of angels. The sky was full of the glory of God. These shepherds saw a display of an enormous painting. They were Caught up in this glorious wonders of the angels of God and the glory of God. And they were overtaken by that. And these angels came to them, not one angel, but they got opened their eyes to see the splendor of the angels, throng of angels, announcing that the Son of God was born. And as they got caught up, in the splendor of that display, no wonder they were so keen to go and look for that baby. They got caught up. There was a response in their heart. As they beheld that, it brought a response. They left everything. Left their ship. Left their livelihood. What if they'd gone and somebody else had come and taken it? No, they couldn't be bothered. They just had to respond to this amazing manifestation of God to them. And they went and saw that baby. Look at the three wise men. They saw the star. And what was the response? The Bible says they brought gifts to him. Amazing gifts. I know. I think I read somewhere in a commentary which says, possible that the gift that this wise man brought was probably what paid for Mary and Joseph to be able to run away and be able to look after that baby. For those years that they were away, running away from Herod. So imagine how much they must have brought. So when they caught an extravagance of the glory of God, it generated a response in their heart and they brought their resources and laid it at his feet and worshipped him. Not just worshipped him with their heart, they even brought their resources and laid it at the feet of Jesus. That was the response that this extravagance generated in them. And when we go to Acts of Apostles chapter 2, that we've looked at so many times. When we see when He wants to give birth to the church, He did not do it in the quietness, hiding away in the sacred place. No! The Bible says on the day of Pentecost, there was a display of grandeur. Tongues descended upon the people. There was a great uproar in the city. It spilled across that room with just 120 gathered in that upper chambers. It spilled into the whole city. There was a mighty splendor. And everybody was like, what is going on here? It could just have given them the spirit. Quietly in one corner somewhere. But he was desperately trying to show them just how much he just wants to pour and just how much he wants to give and there's no holding back with God what wants to do with his people. Because their heart were open. Because as we sang this morning, that were up in that chamber saying, Lord, make our hearts your home. Let your spirit come. Energize us. Empower us for the work that you've called us to do because we know we can't do it without you. And he came and he poured out his spirit. And it struck me when Peter stood to address the crowd. He says, don't say those people are drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. But it made me think, for you to get drunk on alcohol, it means you haven't taken 15 mils of a lager in the morning. It takes a large amount, reasonably, to get drunk. So when the Spirit came, people looked at them and thought they were drunk. Because it looks as if they were just so full of whatever it is they were. So for me, the outpouring of the Spirit was not in shots. was not 25 mils of the Holy Spirit. And that's good enough for you, no. They were so full of it that people say, oh no, these guys are drunk. They're just so full of whatever it is. Completely saturated. We see that passage in the Old Testament which talks about when we come... To the river of the Spirit. He doesn't call us to come in ankle deep or knee deep or tie or chest. He completely immerses us. We're carried by the torrent and the current of the Spirit. He completely immerses us. It is an overflow. He calls us into a place of abundance in Him. And they say, they are not drunk as you think with wine. No, no, no. They are drunk with the Spirit. And Ephesians says, be not drunk with wine wine is excess. But what? But drunk with well, the Holy Ghost. For you to get drunk in something, that means that something is abundant. If somebody invited me to a party and I've got all these small like communion cups, you know, those tiny cups and that's how they serve you drinks, what will you think to yourself? What a mean folks here. Why have you bothered to call me? No. But when you come to a party and there's a liberal flow and the pint is flowing and the drinks are flowing and there's just a, 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 just a, a, a greatness around you, what will you say? He said, "Yes, this is a great party. He's a great host, because there's just a liberality about the flow and the and the resources he makes available. And when he poured out a spirit, that was the spirit. It wasn't in small shots. It wasn't in tiny bits. It was an overflow. They were cutting the river of it." And the whole place was like, what's going on here? And says, yeah, they're drunk. But they're not drunk on wine. They're drunk on the Spirit. It is amazing. It is generously available. It is not in small measures, my brothers and my sisters. When God pours the Spirit out for us, He invites us into the river of the Spirit, where we can connect with it. But invite is not to swaddle and, and, and clamber around and get your feet wet. No, it's to jump in. I think we were praying this morning and somebody gave that word. It says, God is, not, God is asking us to go headlong. Dive into it. Jump into it. Into the river. Don't be satisfied with just staying on the shores and watching what people are doing. Come on, go for it. Because there is an abundance. That's the extravagance of God. That's what He calls us into. That's what... He's making available for us. And what is the response of their heart? What is the response of their heart? I think I wrote this now. I was trying to capture it in my mind. I said, from this fear gripped, Christ denying, betraying friends, cowardly disciples, hiding away and depend." Dead people and despondent people came forth. This courageous, God glorifying, people testifying, joyful sharers, no consequence concerning, victorious and faith attesting disciples. What was the difference? It was the blessings of God's extravagant grace and spirit and as they began to live in the reality of that blessings, it transformed them and brought them into a different place. So when He reveals His glory to us, it generates a response in our hearts. It generates a response in our hearts. As we, as we see Him for who He is, He generates a response in our hearts. And the more we see Him, the more we'll long for him. So you can understand where Paul says, I don't think I've arrived yet. Yeah, I've seen stuff. But I press on. I want more. I want more. Lay hold of me, Lord. Lay hold of my life. Because I want to lay hold of the purpose for which you've called me. I want more. I press on. I lean in. I desire more. If Paul can want more, then how dare we not want more? Paul who says, I was taken in the spirit. I don't know whether I was in the body or out of the body. He says, I had so much revelation. uh, My body was buffeted to keep me humble. This guy had experiences in God that will blow our minds away. But yet he was still saying, that I may know him. That I may know him. I want more. I want more. I want more. May we never lose our wonder, Lord. Wide-eyed mystified. May we be just like a child looking at the beauty of our God. May we never lose our wonder. May we never lose the wonder of the glory of this God who has called us, who is calling us, who is drawing us day by day into a relationship with Him and into a walk with Him. And may that always, Lord, generate a response in our hearts, Lord. Because there's so much more you want to give us, Lord, than we've ever known. What this glory did in the early times, is still doing today. The joy of sin forgiven, life transformed and restored, the springs of wholeness and redemption, the authority and the boldness of a heart that is warmed by God's extravagance, grace, the fruits of the Spirit finding an expression in our daily lives and daily work is still available today, brothers and sisters. That's what God calls us into, that's what He invites us into, that's what this is about, brothers and sisters. That is The delight and the joy of coming into a father's house. And in closing, what is going to be our response, church? And can I speak to us specifically about Emmanuel now? Let's read Luke 19, verse 29 to 31. There's something really important there that I want us to focus as we close. Luke 19, verse 29 to 31. This was the story of Jesus as he rode in. This was the instruction he gave his disciples. As they approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a call to tie there which no one has ever read it. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say to them, the Lord needs it. It says if they ask you, why are you untying this call? Do you know where I picked that up? That was as he was about to go into Jerusalem riding on the call. That was how they found that call. Jesus gave them instruction how to find it. And he says, if anybody challenges you and says, why do you want to take this cult? He says, tell them, I've got need of it. And church, we have the cult that Jesus wants to ride into Durham. You and I. He has need of you, brother. He has need of you, sister. That's the response of our heart. He has need of you. This is Jesus. Jesus has need of you. This is not a call of a man. This is Jesus choosing you. He went to find you and seek you out. He made it possible for you to be the one. Because there were many cults in Jerusalem, I'm sure, on that day. But it was this particular one. And he says, if they tell you why this particular one, tell them. I have need of it. Focus for a moment. As we shared at the beginning of this meeting, lift your head high for a moment and look into the eyes of Jesus. Just imagine that. And hear what's coming out of his mouth. And he says, Son, daughter, I have need of you. I have need of you. You are the one that I have chosen for this specific task. You are the cult I have chosen to ride as I go on into Jerusalem. Finally, in Acts chapter 2, that glorious passage about what was the outworking of this extravagance outpour on the church. The Bible says they began to devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. They met from house to house. They gathered themselves together. And as they gave themselves to that, what happened? The Bible says God began to hear to them. So as they received the love of God, and the Bible says the love of God has been shed abroad in our heart by what? by the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, the love of God is shed abroad in our heart, and that generates a response from us to reach out and love others in return. One of the real desire of our heart, and I was having this conversation with Stephen, our pastor, just a few weeks ago, is in this house we want to really see God's people being cared for better than we've ever done before. Because we recognize that when God joins people to us, it's so that we can look after one another. And yet, you know, I'll be honest, it's not something we've always done perfectly well. And sometimes we've failed at it. And other times we've really worked at it. But we just believe that we're coming into a new grace in this house. And God has given us an opportunity to have another go at it. And it doesn't matter what has gone behind. We have our eyes lifted up. We're not encumbered by shame and guilt about what has gone behind. No, but we lift up our eyes, we look to Jesus, and we say, Lord, we want to get it right for you and for your glory. As you bring people to us, as you have people to us, we want to look after them, we want to care for them, and we want to see them mature, grow, and develop into all that you have for them. And as we looked into that, you know, there were three things that struck us, and our Emmanuel communities are so important because for us, we recognize that it's not very easy to look for after everybody in this big gathering. But through the small communities, it gives us an opportunity to be able to link with you, provide some pastoral care and make sure that you're connected with somebody and part of the body so that you can grow, develop and increase and become, you know, part of this lively ministry. And when we look at it, there are people who are new to Emmanuel and you don't belong to any communities. And we want to encourage you again, please, think about it. If you need to speak to somebody, please let's do it. You need to be commi- connected to a community of God's people. Because that's where the unit of our pastoral care starts from. That's where you get connected into people. And then you can begin to get to know people who can get to know you, and they can begin to care for you and kind of develop you and work with you. Ian was sharing with us a story from Bill Hybels' book yesterday about this couple who had gone through a really difficult time, and Bill Hyber met them in the, in, the, in the parking lot and said, what can I do for you? And they said, oh, you don't need to do anything for me. My community group around me, they're, they're taking care of me. Everything is done. They don't even need not don't, We don't kind of need you. It's okay. We, we, we've been taken care of because I'm connected and I've got people around me who are doing exactly what I need. That is our desire. That is what we would love. So if you're new to Emmanuel, you're not connected into a community, can I please encourage you? The second group are people who are not new in Emmanuel, but you're still not connected. For one reason or the other, it's just kind of not happened for different reasons. Can we encourage you to... Rethink about that. If you need to speak to us, come and find one member of the pastoral team. Let's talk through what the issues are and find a way to make it happen for you. Now, there's a third group who you used to be connected before, but something has happened that has fractured that and you're no longer connected. And especially for those, our heart is to walk alongside you and look at what has happened. If there's heart, if there's difficulties or challenges, let's walk together and find some healing and restoration and wholeness into that situation. Not because we want to dwell in the past, but we want to get you to a place where you can move on in God by the help of His Holy Spirit and we get connected back again so that we can make a move Please, if you need to speak to somebody, the pastoral team are there. That is one of the core functions. We recognize there are a significant amount of people within the church who fall into that group. And We genuinely want to reconnect back with you and facilitate that and find a way to plug you in. Why is all of these things important? We believe we are at the cost of a great and fresh move of the Holy Spirit. God is doing something new amongst us. I don't know whether you've caught that or not. We believe it with all of our heart. God is doing something new amongst us. He's giving us a fresh impetus. There is a stirring of the waters. There is a fresh call of the Spirit. And God has challenged us that nobody must be left behind. We have to go together. United. As a people, nobody. Jesus said, everyone you've given to me, none of them have I lost, apart from the son of perdition. But everything that God has given to him, he was able to keep. We don't want to leave anybody behind. We want to go together, united as a body of believers. Secondly, there is so much work to do. And every time God keeps reminding me, God is not an irresponsible God. He will not bring people to us if we're not going to look after them. He will send them to the church across the road. But we cannot give what we don't have. If we're not looking after the ones we have already, why should God give us more? Why? So, brethren, we've got to... We can beat our head and go around in circles and things, but you've got to come to a point where you've just got to draw a line and say, Lord... We just want to get us right. And we just trust in your grace and in your help to lead us on. And we just want to give it a fresh impetus and a fresh start. And we want to facilitate that as much as God will enable and help us. You know, speak to Stephen, speak to any member of the team. You might know somebody who is not even coming forward, but you think they're in that position. Come and talk to us. We'll go and seek them out and say, I think we need to speak here. We need everybody. There is a portion on this wall that God has a portion for you. God has need of you. If you are not standing on that place, on the wall where he's put you, we're weak there and we're vulnerable. And the enemy can use that spot to come in and make a mess of this work. At Nehemiah's wall, everybody had a role to play. Everybody is important. At the leadership yesterday, one of the things that struck me, we were thinking about why will people not serve? One of the things that struck me, that came through, that really hit me, is that sometimes people need to be asked. Because some people, that is really important. And I'm like, wow, that's interesting. This morning, I need to make sure I get that in. We're asking you, brothers and sisters. We want to come alongside you. Get you into your place in God, in this house. Be the man and woman of God that God has called you to be. Whatever we need to do to make that happen, we want to do it. And we want you to give us the opportunity to make that happen. So please, we're asking you, we want you to be connected into this family of God's people. Showing up on Sunday morning will not do that. We need you connected. We need you one way or the other, whatever it is. If we need to talk through it, let's talk through it together. But please, 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 let's do it. Because there is a great adventure for us in God. There is a great outpouring of what God wants to do with us. And we all have a part to play in this. And our heart is right. We're not saying we're perfect. We're not saying we'll always get it right. But God sees our heart. Our heart is for you. And as God gives us grace and enables us, we will do all that we can do to come alongside you and make that happen for you, brothers and sisters. So the response of your heart this morning, as Jesus said to them when he said, untie the colt and let it come, because I have need of it. Will you come? There's a word that needs to happen before we close. Where are you? And? Let's come quickly.
2: In, Hi, everyone. I, I'm not one for standing at the front, but I feel very powerfully that God asked me just to share something that happened to me recently. Um, and it, I think it's probably a testimony of God being there, um, even when you think you're alone. It's a testimony of God's love. I would say God's grace um And God's rescuing. Um, So I'm just going to share it. Um, I've just recently had a lovely holiday in Australia. I've been away for three weeks. Um, I took three weeks off work, a big thing for me. Um, So I just want to basically just get away from work and spend time with God and also visit a lovely friend in Sydney, Australia. So that was fantastic. Um, Many things happened, but one particular idea this is the thing I want to share. I'd gone on a big adventure on my own because my um, friend was working that day um, we're in Sydney and I wanted to go up to the Blue Mountains. So I said to my friend Steph the night before, I need full instructions because I'm dreadful at finding my way around. So she wrote all down, go to the train station, get on this platform, get that train at that time and you know, arrive in the Blue Mountains um, an hour and a half later. Um, and my plan was to get on a hop, uh, hop on, hop off bus. And she even said where to get on and off, which I had all mapped out for us. um, Got on the train. I got to the bottom of the Blue Mountains, which was fantastic. I thought, great, I've done it. And then I saw um, the um, the hop-on, hop-off bus kiosk. So I went in and got my ticket. And there was a few of us getting served. And the lady said to us, "Um, do you want to get on the bus that comes in three minutes or the one that leaves in half an hour? So I said, oh, i well, the one in three minutes. And I could she point in the distance That's the bus over the road up, you know, a little bit of a walk on the street. Um, so I said, yes, I'll get on that. And she picked up the phone and she spoke to the bus driver and said, um, I've got a few customers here um, who want to get on your hop-on bus, hop-off bus. Um, so just wait for them. And I'd already heard that. So this is me, my own human stupidity. So I went out and I thought, oh, I'm just going to run, run and get on the bus. I don't know where her word had gone. It had just disappeared. And I saw a white car, and I thought, oh, I'll race that car. So, um, so I started running the, up, this, up the bank to, you know, cross the road, and I fell over myself, and I just demonstrated isn't it. <laughs> I thought, flat on the like that. <laughs> <laughs> cars, cars coming both ways, and as I fell, I thought, that's it, you know, that's it. Oops. Um, and I don't know, I, it can only have been God um, there was cars coming both ways the white car that I was racing seemed to be further back and I just ended up standing I know I've got a bit of agility from my age but this is more than human agility I ended up standing on the other side of the road and this woman looking across the road and saying are you alright? and I said yeah, I got on the bus and the bus driver I said wow, that was amazing and I just sat on the back of the bus and shook for, I would say for about 10 minutes but I think the point I'm, I'm not trying to say this is the fabulous story but what I'm trying to say is is um, I feel very powerfully that God had rescued me, even even with lots of grace there and there was lots of love. um, And I I just feel very powerfully that he rescued us. And I think if there's anybody in here who feels the flat on the floor, cars coming both ways. And when I'm saying cars, I mean in situations, bad situations. God is there and he will rescue you. um, And he's got lots of grace. um, And I just uh, like to give thanks to God for that. You know for what he did that day for me and um, and even though i was you know felt i was alone because my friend was at work i wasn't alone because god was there so anyone feeling alone truly not alone and just you know just remember that and if you know I, I, that's it that's it right okay thank, thank you me. very much
0: thank you. can we have the band back <laughs> can we all please stand I trust what we've shared this morning is something quite personal, and it will have different resonance for each one of us. But if anything we've spoken today, you want to respond by wanting somebody to come and pray with you, please, let's do that. We'll have a song and close the meeting, but we'll we'll be here. I'll be around if anybody wants prayer for anything. Stephen will be here if you need to speak to anybody or any member of the pastoral team. Please, can I encourage you? But more importantly... Can I challenge you to respond in your heart to that call of God because He has need of you? Thank you.